Hey guys, before we get started, I wanted to mention that the Cork Report podcast is sponsored by our friends at Petrea Plus, a company that wants you to rethink your oak to showcase your fruit instead of your barrel program. Need high quality French oak barrels? Petrea Plus works with Tonellerie Caduce Barrels. Interested in the benefits of both oak and stainless steel? They have tightened hybrid barrels for that. Want to bring some oak flavor to your wine, beer, or cider without the expense? Check out Wine Sticks Barrel Alternatives. Everything Petrea Plus offers has been handpicked with cool and cold climate wine styles in mind. Learn more at PetreaPlus.com. That's PetreaPlus.com. And since you might not be sure how to spell that, that is P-E-T-R-A-E-A Plus.com. Shut up and sit down. Hey guys, my name is Len Thompson, and this is the Cork Report Podcast. I know that you're probably hoping to hear my friend and colleague, Carlo DeVito, introduce himself too, um, or maybe not, who knows. But uh, for this episode, I was on my own and sat down with Zach Klug from Litton Buffel, a fairly new winery up in the Niagara Escarpment region of New York. We had what I think is a pretty interesting discussion about what Zach considers manipulative in winemaking, what natural wine and terroir are for Zach. And only for Zach, and that's important. And what transparency in winemaking is in general. Zach's a good guy. Um, he's really thoughtful about what he's doing, both in the vineyard and in the cellar. And he's the rare natural wine person I can spend more than 30 seconds with without getting nauseous from all the dogma and the bullshit. Um, so I'll be back with Carlo and also Todd uh, really soon. But in the meantime, I hope you enjoy this one-on-one -on -one chat with Zach, a winemaker who really is going to be getting some attention going forward. Not only for the wines he makes, but also just for the way he approaches, you know, he approaches wine. Again, a natural wine guy, but someone I can actually have a conversation with and not get too frustrated with. All right, so so I'm I'm here just with Zach by myself because uh, Carlo's off doing doing Carlo things. Um, so we're, we're joined today by Zach Klug, owner and winemaker at Zitten Buffel. Did, did I say that right, Zach? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Up on the Niagara Escarpment in Western New York. Um, I asked Zach to be on because of some stuff he posted a few weeks ago. I think it was on Instagram, Instagram stories. But um, before we dive into that, um, Zach, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your winery, what you're doing, why you're doing it up in Niagara, and um, how things are going? Cool. Uh, so yeah, so we, uh, we started a, a winery in Niagara because I'm from Niagara. Um, also I think there's a lot of potential up here. That's it's slowly being tapped. We have a, a lot of plantable acreage that no one's really taken advantage of yet. Um, we have uh, a longer growing season in most years than say in the Finger Lakes. We're more akin, uh, growing season length to long Island. Um, and our winter, our winter temps aren't, aren't too bad. So it's, there's a lot of potential, I think for, for vinifera growth. Um, the winery we started, it, it, it's the more we figured our process out, the more we slid towards the natural wine moniker, at least, um, we're pretty dogmatic, but we're also not, like it's our thing that we do for ourselves. So it's, it's not something that we're trying to push like a cult onto other people as much as it 
could be it's fine but um we're very uh i don't know chaotic and uh treat wine like like dadaism we're trying to be um or at least i am i Poor Pat is pulled along with my eccentricism, but um, we're uh, we're trying to showcase uh, wine with with our own opinion of what terroir is, or that sense of place, or, or lower intervention wine. Wine's the way it was made before World War II type of thing, you know. So um, I didn't really know about the natural wine movement until after we opened, <clears throat> because I'm not really keen okay. on. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I knew it existed, but I was like. I don't know. I, I, I didn't think that I could be a part of any trend or movement, you know, in the beginning, I would just wanted to make wine. Right. And I, I like right. wine of that style, but the more I found out about it, the more people said we were natural, the more I realized that we kind of fit that banner and we all need banners to survive in this crappy industry. So, well, you, you gotta have, you have something to help sell wine, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, so, why don't you tell us what what some of the grapes are that you're working with, and uh, and whether those are the grapes that you think work? To, are they the grapes that you like? Are they grapes that you think Niagara does well? And then, um, and then maybe you can tell us a little bit about about your your baby vineyard. Yeah. Uh, well, um, so we mainly work with Pinot Noir uh, in Niagara, and just at our winery ourselves. Um, although we just acquired a Cab Franc vineyard, which it's doubled our production, which is nice, which is not a lot. It was, it's a three acre vineyard, but, um, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so mainly Pinot Noir. I have some Syrah planted. I think Syrah is a, is a good variety for our region. Um, and Cap Franc, um, for, uh, I, it, it's more prolific in its growth. So it's, it's a no brainer for us and it gets ripe every year. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, it's, it's expressive. Uh, it's not as variety. It's not, I, I'm partial to Finger Lakes Cab Franc. I think it's more akin to Loire, and I think Niagara Cab Franc is uh, is less varietally correct in the way the gatekeepers would say. But it's I think it's interesting and it has a place on the table. Um, for whites, we're dealing with Riesling, a very small amount uh, for our vineyard. We do source from some local vineyards too. Um, I. I'm, I, I don't think, like Cab Franc, uh, Riesling doesn't end up what some would say is variety correct um, when, which starts the debate, when you allow it to get uh, fully ripe for our region. But I think it's interesting and I think it's expressive. Um, that could start another debate, but I think variety tends to mask sense of place because people end up making wines specifically to what they think that variety is supposed to be like. So in Niagara, when you're picking your Riesling underripe to maintain acidity at a pH level that you don't get the, like at Finger Lakes, you're getting, you know, a proper pH level at picking where the, the, the fruit profile is, is more pleasing for us. If we pick underripe, our pHs are insane, like sparkling wine pHs and we end up with lemon lime juice. Um, right. When our Riesling gets properly ripe at the right pH range, we're at a bricks level that makes something ridiculous. But I, I think that's interesting. And if that's our place, then that's our place. That's that's our terroir to use that shitty word. You know, if 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 Riesling is twenty four bricks when it's properly ripe, then that's what we're doing. You know, if you want to, you know, no one has to do anything. 
Right. No, I, no. And I think, um, you know, we couldn't have, we couldn't have planned that segue <laughs> any better. Um, so the reason I asked you on tonight was, um, I guess at this point it was three or four weeks ago, you, you posted something that basically says that, I think it was on your Instagram stories. Yeah. That basically <laughs> suggested that harvest date and harvest decision um, is a manipulation in, in the natural wine sense. So, you know, you, you know, you, you and I've had discussions about this and obviously I don't want this to turn into a, what is natural wine is natural wine, something that people need to give a shit about. You know, I mean, I mean, I, I've said this to you several times and I'll say it to anybody. I like a lot of the wines that fall under that moniker, but where, where I, where I become less interested and I kind of get turned off by the whole thing is when it becomes too dogmatic and when, it, and when there are certain people, you know, and, and I don't want to name names on here, but um, Militant there's certain people. Yeah. Like there's certain people who, who are out there and will attack anybody and they, they kind of act like the, the natural wine police. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the, they get to, de- they get to decide what's natural and right. what's not. It's the takedown and, culture. And, yeah. And they, and they, 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 they tend to act as though, as though it isn't a wide spectrum of what wine is. It's either your natural or your, or your industrial bullshit to them. And right. that, that makes me nuts. Well, I think, um, but, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. So, so I, I don't really want to get into that. I mean, I'm, I'm sure we'll touch on some of that as we, as we go along. Inadvertently. Yeah. Um, but um, so why don't you kind of step through what inspired you to post that? And then we can, we can kind of talk about it a little bit. Okay. Um, so I, uh, I was intoxicated. Um, <laughs> as usual, um, as, as, as the best Instagram stories are always are. Yes. Most of the time, whenever I post something that's divisive, I'm usually like full of liquid bravado of some kind. <laughs> um, because my, I understand my, in my honest opinion and all, everything I'm going to say today is for me, in my opinion of what I'm doing myself, winemaking is so personal. And it, it's an expression. It's either a craft or an art or whatever, but it's it's personal to me. Um, so in my opinion, harvest date is one of the biggest fucking manipulations you can do. You're deciding when that vine is ready to produce fruit for your wine. You're picking, you're choosing your own ego in the way you're choosing to make wine uh, with the fruit. At the time, you think it's going to be good for whatever reason, acid, sugar, pH. But there is a, viticulturally speaking, there is a distinct time frame when the vines are properly ripe. They through a physiological stage where they're like, boom, fruit's done ripening, ready to go. Um, and you wouldn't, you don't pick tomatoes when they're green or melons when they're hard, but we pick grapes when they're underripe to maintain some kind of. Uh, uh, varietal typicity that you think is normal for your place. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but don't, you can't say that that's the terroir of that place. If you're deciding to in, inflect yourself in the way, right. <clears throat> and you can't say you're low manipulation. If you're picking your uh, whatever California natural wine that you're drinking to give you 11% or, I mean, and I love these wines too. I'd like Lucy Margot. They're all picked under, right. To, to have a more freshness and lower alcohol, but like admit that that's a manipulation. That's 
I think honesty right. and transparency is the key to natural wine. And if we start promoting these these manipulations, or at least we're not talking about them, then we're doing a, a, a disservice to the customers that love natural wine. Um, yeah, aside from the, the the pit fighting and name calling and bullshit between national natural wine and conventional wine, it's a big world. We can all make wine the way we want to, and you know, n- no one no one argues. I mean, some people I guess argue about who's better, Picasso or or Andy Warhol, because one of them didn't use a fucking paintbrush. You know, like m- m- crafting wine is really special, oh, right? Yeah. And um, I think it's a it's beautiful. I just had some non natural Burgundy. I don't. I hope no one hears this. Here's a natural winemaker doesn't always. Yeah, I'm actually drinking cheap Cabernet right now too. Uh-oh, <laughs> yep. But well, the, there goes exactly. all my followers. There, there goes all the um, credibility right now. But <laughs> yeah, Allison, uh, Allison, Marissa are going to write you off now. I, I you know, I've only ever met. Um, Alice and she's super nice to me, but I only, I met her like once for like five seconds and I was totally like, it was like, uh, I was like at a tasting. I was super uncomfortable because I'm socially awkward and, uh, I wasn't doing the tasting. We were just crashing it. It was somebody else's distributors tasting. So, uh, my distributor and I like just bounced in to taste some wines. <laughs> I was like, Oh, this is weird. Um, but she, I mean, she was super nice to me, and I, I think you know the the role of the critics important. But um, we don't need to uh, we need to call out dishonesty, um, sure, which she does. But we also Absolutely. need to. It's a big world, you know. And I mean, there's some environmental issues I have with the wine industry, but that's separate. With when it comes to natural wine versus uh, modern wine, I, I don't think that we need to be fighting. Like we can live in a world where they both exist, and I think we should. I don't want to live in a world where like only stouts exist. You know, I don't want to live in a world where only natural wine exists. I, I think that that's very. Um, it's very pretentious to say that, you know, the right way to do something. And, um, we, we, we learned these techniques from winemaking throughout millennia. And there's some that are unnecessary, but, um, where they're chasing symptoms, but, but uh, who am I to tell you that you shouldn't oak your wine? I don't give a fuck what you do. And I, I'll probably like it. For me in my dogma, I don't, I don't use new oak. I, you know, I, it's it's expensive and i don't want to add flavor to that vineyard right um, right but it, it it doesn't mean i don't love slutty oaky burgundy you know like is it just like white burgundy with a shit ton of oak super ripe vintages when i can afford it yeah i'm a, i'll be a hussy for that all day long but <laughs> but <laughs> yeah so yeah so we, we, you know we, before we kind of you know get, get off track so let me ask you a question so i'm not as as you well know i'm not you know, all in on natural wine. Like I said, I like a lot of the wines. I don't like the dogma. I, I don't. I don't like the the outside policing. And it's interesting. Something for us to talk about maybe in a minute is I've never heard a winemaker be dogmatic. It's always the psalms or the writers or the critics. Well, they're gatekeepers. Yeah, so. yeah. That's something we can we can get into maybe in a minute. But so 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 back to the idea of pick date as manipulation. Mm-hmm. Um, is that is that concept? Is that a commonly held concept among natural winemakers, or is I don't. I mean, because I don't know, man. Yeah, we don't. We we don't get together like a group (laughs) at night under the cloud of darkness. Um, I don't know. I've never heard it. 
Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of star fucking in the natural wine world. I say more than the modern wine world, I think. Um, and anytime somebody idolizes someone, there's always an issue to be had. And uh, I think, I think, I don't, I mean, I haven't heard it before, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't already exist. I don't really talk to a lot of other natural wine producers. Um, I, I follow a lot on Instagram. I haven't seen anybody talking about it. I, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's too obvious to some people. Um, but I also, I don't, I don't wish other producers to be as dogmatic as I am. It's a struggle. <laughs> it's, it's like a lot of self hate, <laughs> but yeah. yeah. So, I, so I mean, but, but I guess if, you know, cause you know, you, you look at the guys at, at Weimer and the Finger Lakes, like with, with, with their Riesling and their, especially their Gewürztraminer, like they're making multiple picks, you know, they're picking early for acidity that they're picking in the middle for balance. And then they're, they're picking later for like the real varietal character. So that is something that that you wouldn't do, correct? And so, so I guess what I guess what kind of what, where that that leads you is you know you really need to be in tune with what grapes you have planted where because you can only be so big. You, I well, mean, that's, that, that's like organic other. farming. You can only be so big before it's no longer good for the environment. With natural wine, you can only be so big before you your process starts to show itself. Right. Yeah, but, but I mean, yeah, but you know, just just going back to the actual picking, I mean, not the not the actual act of picking, because obviously that's labor intensive if you're doing it by hand. But in order to, to pick the way that you want to pick and have wines that are delicious on, are delicious after they're they're made, you 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 maybe can't grow certain grapes, you know, where you're trying to grow them because oh for sure because if you wait until the grapes are quote unquote ripe naturally i hate using that word but i think you know what i mean like you know once the vines are done ripening them you know i'm sure there's a a lot of grapes that the chemistry is going to be a shit show if if you go that far right right you're you're, you're gonna have flabby whites which i know you're a fan of i love those oily flabby whites (laughs) yeah so now for those of you listening that's a whole nother discussion that zach and i can have another time is about um what balance means because uh, Zach's, <laughs> Zach's whites tend to be on the richer, less nervy side of things. Um, so well, it's, it's yeah, funny. But you're talking about my rosé of whites when I press <laughs> the whites off. That's that's a completely – I only make those for uh, like wine trails and you and stuff. Everything else is <laughs> – <laughs> So so kind of related to that. So I, I recently tasted through all, all of Zach's new releases and – the white wine that I liked best, which we're not going to name tonight, <laughs> um, it w- was the wine that, that that he's the least happy with. Yeah, and I, it, because it, because it actually has acidity and, and, <laughs> and some freshness to it. I think um, pH came in at like two point seven. Man, <laughs> delicious. Um, so so with so with with this being your attitude about pick dates, and I mean. With, with that all in mind, what what have you planted in your baby vineyard? So, is is this second leaf for the for the vines? Third, third leaf. Oh, oh so you, you might get a little bit of fruit this year. Yeah, we'll get a crop this year off okay. of it. And so, so we'll, whether it's a field blend or not, I don't right, know. So, we'll see what the fruit. All right. Yeah. So, so, so what's in? So, so what? What do you have planted? And how, how much is there? I, I know you're always out there because when you and I are te- when you, when, <laughs> when you and I are texting and you're sending me audio messages back, I always know that, that you're out in the vineyard. Yeah, or driving. Uh, no, I mean, yes, I'm always out in the vineyard. Um, I never text and drive. Um, 
I have a little over an acre of Syrah. They're, my planting, it's the spacing's weird, and I'm they're all head trained on uh, wooden stakes, um, large posts. So it's <clears throat> I have like sixteen hundred vines. It's a little over like an acre, maybe a half a row or a row over an acre of Syrah, and then I have. Um, it's like three acres of Pinot Noir. And then uh, it's like a little less than half an acre of Riesling, I think is, is what it ends up being. Um, but then I also I'm farming three acres of Cab Franc, um, which is on a regular trellis and normal spacing. Um, yeah. So, so just thinking about that, I mean, there aren't that many places in the world where you can plant Pinot Noir next to Syrah and have both grapes be successful right, properly. Yeah. So, so, so is that, is that something that you think is kind of unique to Niagara or maybe to your, your particular spot? I don't think so. I mean, um, I think the, I mean, I have never grown Syrah, so we'll see what it ends up being local people around me. Um, I know their, their harvest chemistry so um i know what its potential is before it's you know touched or whatever um they're also no no one's growing like biodynamically and i don't know if that actually has an effect on bricks but i'm about to find out <laughs> well i guess i won't i don't have a control but um yeah i don't know i mean i, I usually pinos are like 23 bricks and from what i hear syrah is around between 21 to 23 bricks Unless you you hang it until the leaves fall off, which is pretty popular in like the Canadian side of Niagara. I, I don't know if anyone does it here, but um, like they'll hang cabs cab Bordeaux varieties until the leaves fall. Um, that's too far, obviously. But I, I, I mean, I don't know how much alcohol do you want in your Syrah. I, I like more uh, nervy Northern Rhone Syrah. I'm not trying to make Shiraz. So, and with the Pinots, it they always end up. You know, um, not always. Uh, last year sucked, but they typically end up. You know, from the, the few years I've been making Pinot from a few different vineyards around, they're when properly farmed, they're around twenty two, twenty three, twenty one and a half. Like last year was like twenty and a half, but it was a shit year. But that's to and that's that vintage too. The vintage is part of it. So there's going to be years where I probably should make rosé, but I'm going to have, uh, you know, high acid, weird red wine, but that's that year. And again, who am I to say that it shouldn't be that way? And I know that's an, that's the, an easy way out, but that's, that's the, the draw to me is, is I'm not putting myself front and center. I'm just kind of keeping it from turning to vinegar um, by preventing oxygen from touching it too much and then putting it into a bottle when it's, you know, clarified out after time. It, it, I like that. That matches my lifestyle and my personality. And I, I, I like that people like that. And that was my draw was that I could be, I don't know, more tr true to myself and minimalists, <laughs> like privileged minimalism. And, uh, and, you know, I think that's sexy. I think that's cool. And, and I think it, there, there's a place for it. And if there's enough people that'll buy my thousand cases I make a year on a good year, then fuck it. You know, then that's awesome to me. I don't think that other yeah. people shouldn't exist. I mean, there's, I'm not against capitalization at your winery, but it's your winery. It's none of my business, you know? 
Right. No, I, I mean, and, and that's definitely one of the things I've always appreciated the most about about you with regards to the whole natural wine thing is, you know, you're dogmatic for your vineyard and for your winery. And if something else is delicious from somewhere else, even if they add sugar or they add acid, if it's delicious, you're, you're willing to say, hey, this is delicious. It's, it's not something I would do, but... Um, right. I, I mean, I'm next to, well, not next to, but I'm, I'm around some of like my favorite wines from New York, obviously, or from Niagara. No, <laughs> but some of my, my, you know, companions in this, this journey are up in Niagara and I love their wines. And I would say that they're more manipulative, but they're still amazing. And I love them. There's nothing, there's, there's a negative connotation put on manipulation. And when I say manipulation, I'm not saying it's bad. Right. Right. I don't think it's wrong. I love, I, I, before I got into the natural, like before I actually knew my process when I was still working with other wineries, I was in love with the postmodern wine thing with Clark Smith. And that's the, that's the, the yang to the yin of natural wine. Like it's the complete polar opposite, but they both talk about wines with soul and honesty. Be proud of what you're doing. Be proud that you use fucking reverse osmosis. That's expensive and it's hard. It's not easy to do, to, to use those machines and do that, those manipulations. Right. Embrace it. You crafted something. Like it's like making an amazing beer. You came up with that. You took fruit and through techniques that we really a lot of them of modern day winemaking, they're all new. Yeah. A lot of them are post World War II. So we don't have a lot of time. Like we have a couple generations, but you did it and you made a kick ass wine with Bordeaux grapes and uh, you know, playful oak. And it, 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 or Pinot and and less oak, hopefully, or for in your case, um, you know, some high acid like Saval and 100% new American oak. Oh, I love Saval. <laughs> maybe you can make me. Maybe you can make me a Noiré Saval blend. I do potentially have a hybrid uh, field blend that's going to be made this this vintage. We'll see. Oh, that, that'd we'll be, see. That, that could be Noiré is in the mix. <laughs> <laughs> so so actually, I, I do want to want to go back to your Syrah a little bit. So. So I, I guess, I guess, I mean, obviously I, I knew at one point, but I forgot that you have that much Syrah planted and, you know, every, well, I'm sure some replants, but yeah, I mean, but I mean, every Syrah I've had from, from, from your side of the border and the Canadian side of the border, like I, I thought they were really, really compelling. Just a lot of them have a shit ton of oak. Yeah. Especially a couple, a couple of your neighbors. So, yeah. I, so I'm actually yeah. really, really excited to see, you know, especially in a, maybe not from, maybe not. Well, actually, I guess you didn't have it last year, but I guess, especially in like the normal t- to warmer years, I'm really excited to taste those wines. I mean, because, because I, as I know, you're not going to beat them with new oak because that's not your thing. I'm just going to beat them with my feet. <laughs> um, we were getting all your freaky fans excited with that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's, I'm not going to lie. Syrah's, it's tough. Uh, I mean, it might be where I got my vines from. Um but I have to do a lot of replants, so it'll be a while before that vineyard is properly uh, producing. I mean, the whole vineyard, really. It's, it's, it's three years old, and I haven't replanted anything yet. Um, and we had a we had a really shitty freeze, like not a frost, a freeze in April. We had freezing rain, yeah. and uh, a lot of the pruning, uh, a lot of the, the the trunks I established with our because we're like I said, we're head training, so I just I cut everything at like eighteen inches, and that's where we're starting our, our the head of the goblet. And uh, a lot of the ones in my low spots of the vineyard are coming out of the, I have to regrow the trunks, I guess oh, I should say. Um, 
not that big a deal, but it still sucks. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I mean, we've never had a freeze like that before in April. Um, and this is like our banger year where we need to produce as much as we can. Um, yeah. But yeah, we'll uh, see. We'll see. I'll send you, uh, I'll, I might send you a bottle um, with, oh, with some crude drawings on the outside. Oh, I, I, I love those drawings that my children can't see. I'm getting really good at them, aren't they? They're getting some detail. You, uh, well, you know, if, if if the whole wine thing doesn't work out for you, the uh, the, the inappropriate drawings will, will definitely be a next career. No, there's already somebody in the natural wine world that does dick pics, um, and they're really good. I can't touch it. I'm not. A, I I don't. My hands are all messed up from bouncing and farming, so I, I can't. I can't do anything like that. I can just do crude ones on the side of cardboard boxes for you. Always a pleasure. Um, actually, I, I actually. Actually, I guess I didn't realize that you're doing head training. Is, is anyone else up there doing that? Or is that something that you, you decided to do? And if so, you know, what made you decide to do that? Oh, we're about to get into how professional we are. Um, uh, not that I know of. I think there's, um, I think there's, there's, there's one other cat on the, up on the lake um, that's doing some different trellising uh, uh, styles. Uh, Dan Hogue from Victorianburg. Yeah. So um, I, I mean, so, so I mean, are most people doing just, just VSP? Yeah. Because they're smart. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's a lot of work. It's, I mean, we're not doing it because we're on a, a slope that needs to be head trained on stakes, but uh, we, we really couldn't afford to, to trellis it VSP. So we got our local resource was Larch, and we just bought stakes and hammered them in. And we were already looking in more into spur pruning anyways. Um, okay. And I, I, I like the, I like the wind and solar access. I get the, like the extra sunshine and the extra access to around the vine, 360 degrees. Right. So sure. I can, I can yeah. access the vine. I can cross cultivate. I like the idea of it. I was thinking about it for just the Riesling anyways. And it became, you know, our only option because we couldn't afford all this, the wires and we, we didn't, I, I've never established a vineyard with a modern trellis. I've only ever worked them. So I was like, well, we have to rent this and we have to get this guy in and we couldn't afford to pay somebody to do it, but we could afford uh, the wood from the Amish and uh, some, you know, post drivers and backache, you know? So we, I, I think it's, I think it works for our region if you want to, uh, again, the easy, soft answer, but, um, it's a lot more labor. It's a lot harder. It, it can be harder to keep them clean. Uh, you have to have a really yeah. consistent spray program because they're low to the ground and we don't use herbicides. So we have, it's just, it looks like brush land basically. <laughs> um, and you have to go out there and tie it multiple times to make sure the, the canes are wrapping around the, the post. It, it's, it's more work for sure. Um, but you can't mechanize it. And like I said, I am going to get more sun and wind and hands-on access to that vine from 360 degrees instead of having hedges and uh, wind blockers. So we'll see, you know? No, I mean, that, yeah, I mean, I think that's super interesting. I mean, you know, down here on Long Island, everyone, like I think literally everyone is on VSP clean fruit zone. Um, then you know you go to the Finger Lakes and there's there's a little variability. There, you know there, there, there's some uh, there's some like double curtain and some yeah, but they're all on wire and post. Yeah, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, exactly. They're all on wire and post. They're all trellised. The, the the only person that that I I know personally who's doing head training is I I, I think Regan down at down in his new vineyard that he's planting. 
um, in Texas is going to be head trained, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, I, I mean, when I realized that when we were trying to figure out like, how do we save money? Cause we were, you know, starting a winery is expensive. And, uh, I was looking into head training and I was looking into posts, so stupid romantic and, and, uh, and I saw a lot of other people starting it in like on the West coast. Um, and obviously it's, it's all around, uh, the, the Mosul, it's all around Germany, Burgundy, the Rhone, it's it, everywhere. The Romans, you know, slap their dicks in France and in Germany. Um, so I, it's, it's, and it's in various, various climates. So it's, it's in humid, like continental climates like we have, um, it's clearly doable as long as you have enough wind and a, and a, a, at least enough slope to cause air drainage and a, in a good spray program. I, I can't see why it won't work, but we'll still find out. <laughs> exactly. I guess you're going to find out. <laughs> really my, the hard part I'm having is, is controlling weeds and uh, we didn't put the posts up until late last year. So our, our vines are stunted a bit as far as like where their trunk should be. Okay. Um, so we'll get fruit. We cut the fruit the past two years, but we'll get fruit this year, but they're going to be, uh, it's going to be a, a messy sprawl type of situation. <laughs> It'll be interesting. It'll be cool. But. No, that, no, I think it sounds awesome. And, uh, you know, like I mentioned, I've, t- I've tasted a bunch of your wines and th- they are, they are unlike anything else being done. And I, I mean that in the best of ways. Um, you know, it, it's amazing to taste Pinot Noir that, that you've worked with from a vineyard and then taste this, the same fruit, same vineyard, same year from one of your neighbors. And, and, and it's always fun because, you know, there's always differences, but then right now I'm talking about the Quast vineyard. Yeah. There are, def- there's definitely a Quasty thing going on in both the wines though. And that's- right. It has a, it has a, it has a, a character and it, yeah. every since, ever since I first tasted it, uh, when it was still warm, like, like it, it, even if there's only like a small bit of his first vintage, that was like good. Or there was a thing about it that if there was one thing that was good, it's you can still pick that up every vintage out of Quast. If Sands maybe like 2012 Freedom Run Quast, that was a monster. Uh, that was it was a that was a monster, yeah. Yeah, that that was the one that got me into that vineyard where I started paying attention to it and fell in love with it. Um, it's, it's it's the wine that I keep chasing every time I I uh, I try to make Pinot, but you know different wines but all right so uh yeah so i mean j- just just real quick I, I definitely want to loop back to this whole idea of manipulation um i have never heard anyone consider pick date a manipulation and uh, you know I'm not, I'm not sure that i agree but i i definitely ap- appreciate your appreciate your your willingness to put yourself out there and to say hey if, if we're going to talk about this then we need to talk about all of it and that, right. That, I mean, and that, that's kind of self. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing I, I like about you is that you know you're all for transparency, you're all for self awareness, and you know, and again, you're 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 open to the the idea of doing other things as long as you're honest about it. Well, the overanalyzing comes from crippling anxieties. So. <laughs> um, yeah, if you're not if you're not constantly checking yourself, then how do you know you're still on the right path? Um, and if if we look at wine like an agricultural product, which it is, <clears throat> and why we, aside from the the hedonism of it, why we started doing it, or how we how we got about it, um, it's like a wheat farmer. You you turn your wheat into flour to preserve it, 
or well, I guess you, you don't have to do it to flour, but um, with with corn, you turn it into cornmeal. With with grapes, we turn it into wine so that it lasts long enough for us to sell it. Right. Because you can't sell grapes. Yeah, I mean, you, to the consumer, you can to wineries, but it's so. If our job is to showcase this place, then the variety shouldn't have an influence on that, on our decisions. Um, in my opinion, for me, and you should pick it when it's properly ripe and, and you shouldn't destem it. You should crush it just as it is. It should have minimal carbonic maceration. Um, it should be clean. Noble rot hides terroir, I think. I think noble rot homogenizes wines a bit. Um, so in my opinion, that's what I look for. I, I, I want wines with minimal, especially the white sips, so say minimal noble rot stems and crushed up as well as I can. Uh, anything that tends to add something, homogenize something to that place, that, that plot of land, uh, or change it or remove it, I just try to avoid. That's not what I want the whole world to do. That's just what I try to do because that's how, in my opinion, you best express a place. Um, so I, I should have clarified that, you know, hey, you can still do this if you want because I'm not a fucking gatekeeper, but uh, let's be honest here. You're choosing to affect the way that vineyard tastes. Um, and just put it, just, just be clear, just imply like you, you choose when to the other issue. I, I can't figure out how to get around is how do I know what's my signifier of when I rack, when I rack out of the barrel, when do I know that wine's ready where it, it's not me tasting it. So I, even there, there are things that I can't avoid manipulation wise, but I'm admitting to them that they're manipulations. I'm not lying to people, you know, I, I think that's the, the, the key. That's what's important. Like, I like how Ridge puts water on their label when they have to rehydrate their must. Um, yeah. you know, and it, we're, they're honest about what they do. And we need that in the natural wine, even the more so, I think, in the natural wine movement, because we're telling people that this is lower manipulation. And I think we need to be really clear about what the manipulations are that we can't avoid and what the manipulations that are trendy, what manipulations that are trendy and fashionable that we still take part in, that we don't admit to the customer that those are manipulations. Because that's the, that's the argument that you conventional modern winemakers have or wine folk is that, you know, if manipulation is picking it, right? So then we need to be clear about what is a manipulation so that that's, that's not even part of the conversation. It's so that when these, those arguments that I try to avoid happen, you're you're starting off on a positive note. You're starting off uh, on ground level. Absolutely, yeah, and and that's definitely not not an argument that I want to have with you this evening. So, I, <laughs> so, so I, I think we'll just stop there. Uh, Zach, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, you you have the the honor, I guess, of being our, our first guest. Um, I, I'm so sorry that that Carlo blew you off because he doesn't think you're important. I can see him here. He's trying to chat to get in. Uh, no, thanks. He, he's he's trying to get on. I think he's having microphone problems now, which is what happens when I work with, with, with a complete tech. Oh. Um, so, uh, yeah. So what we'll, we'll, uh, thank, I mean, we'll, we'll have having me on. It was great. Uh, I'm sorry that you Absolutely decided to you. give me a platform. That was a bad move, but. <laughs>
like, like I said, I definitely appreciate your your approach not only to winemaking and to winery ownership, but also to what natural wine should be and can be for me and doesn't and doesn't need to be. Yeah. So uh, thanks very much, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man.